All right. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast, where I will be talking about the tarot and specifically the court cards within a deck of tarot cards. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Maggie Hazeman. So as I mentioned in episode 22, the majority of the episodes during this season, season three, will be about the tarot and the structure of a tarot deck. Now, I already gave you an overview of the standard structure of a tarot deck in that episode, but just in case you missed it, let's talk about it again. So tarot is generally made up of 78 cards, and 22 of these are called the Major Arcana. So in November, we're going to talk about these Major Arcana cards in three parts. Now, there are, thir- or, there are 56 other cards, and these are called the Minor Arcana. We are talking about those minor arcana cards in three episodes last week, this week, and next week. So the minor arcana are made up of four suits, and we're going to talk about those in next week's episode, episode 24. Each suit has 10 numbered cards with ace representing one, and we talked about those numbered cards last week. There are also four court cards in a suit, and that's what we're talking about today. So each suit has four court cards, as I said. There's a page, a knight, a queen, and a king. Some modern decks will call these different things. I've seen the page called the daughter, a knight called a son, the queen, the mother, and the king, the father. But generally, there's four in a tarot deck, and they have a certain meaning associated with them. They represent personality traits and characteristics. They bring this human element, the personal personality element, and the cast of characters into the story. So like I said last week, when you know the structure of the deck, it's really helpful for learning each of the meanings of the cards because each suit has a domain, and there's four suits as I said, and each position within the suit, whether it's a number or a court position, has a theme that is consistent across the suit. So instead of having to learn 56 cards, you really only have to learn, you know, the numbers and the courts and the meaning of the suits, and that's a lot fewer. That's more like 18 keywords, and you can kind of cross, um, cross-multiply the suit with the court position or the suit with the number. So let's talk about these court positions and what they mean. You already know about the numbers from last week, so now we're going to talk about the court. And if you have a tarot deck, you might pause this podcast now. You can sort out those court cards, the pages, knights, queens, and kings. You can follow along with some visuals. So it seems to me that the court cards are some of the hardest to interpret for most people that I talk to. And I think this is because they actually represent so much. They can represent a specific person, so a person that you know if you're doing the reading for yourself, it could represent yourself as well, or if you're reading for someone else, it could represent them or someone that they know. And 
when you're telling a story with the tarot, which I find to be the best way to use them, is to tell a story using the cards as imagery. We have the major arcana, which again, we're going to talk about the major arcana later. But these are the big ideas or themes. And then the numbered cards, they're like the events and the setting of the story. So they kind of give a timeline. They talk about the things that are going on in day-to-day life, the situations. And then we have the court. And I look at these as like the cast of characters. So they represent people. They can also represent a specific part of your personality rather than the entire person. So I believe that everyone has all 16 court cards within their personality. And some of them are just, you know, more uh, present or more obvious. Some of them you might know in yourself, but other people might not see it in you. And some other people might see in you and you don't necessarily see it in yourself. So it's just the way that we relate to other people and what we put out in the world. So it could represent just a single part of your personality, and that's what is coming up in the reading. Sometimes a court card may be a personification of an event or an object, something that doesn't normally have a personality. So non-human animals, plants, um, objects, and events, they might when a court card comes up, it might be a way to add personality to those things. And court cards can show up as a way to add, to represent some sort of level of maturity or um, progression along this spectrum of transformation. So we're going to talk about each of these ways to interpret the court cards a little bit more, but I want to introduce you to the different cards. Before I do that, I want to let you know about a reference guide that I have for you to download. So you can go to the show notes and you'll find this guide. All you have to do is click the button and enter your email address and then you can have it sent directly to your inbox. This guide is designed to help you see the interpretation of each card at a glance. So it's a list of keywords associated with these cards. And the way that I recommend you use it is to hang it up wherever you read tarot. So that if you're feeling a bit stumped, sometimes our minds go blank in the middle of a reading and you can just glance up and see, oh, a knight represents this. And that might trigger something in your memory. It might bring something up in your intuition. And then you can continue with the reading. Um, You can also keep it in your grimoire as a reference. You can copy it down as a way to take notes and help really solidify the meanings in your own mind. So you can use it however you want. You can find it at mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 023. And that's where you'll find all the show notes as well as this guide to download. Okay, so let's introduce you to these characters, starting with the page. So the page to me is like, and to most references, is a representation of like childlike innocence of sort of immature immaturity, spontaneity, kind of looking at the world in new ways. So you might think about it in terms of like the beginner mind that I talked about in a previous episode and just seeing everything as if it's new and um, surprising. And so the page is kind of that expression of the personalities, um, newness and innocence and sometimes immaturity. They're also about new beginnings and um, initiation of things 
especially transformations. Uh, so we all go through different transformations throughout our lives as we learn these lessons. And so the page might show up as an indicator of you're at the beginning of a new transformation in your life, a new journey of learning. And it really just depends on how they are presented in the reading, what it actually means. Um, now, pages in history were the messengers, so they can also be a representation of some sort of communication or receiving or sending a message, so they sometimes show up in that way as well. Now, let's talk about the knights. So, the knights are really, in history, the knights were questing and looking for adventure, and so it's all about being daring and taking action. They're not so much they're not at the beginning like the page, and they haven't settled into responsibility like a queen, but they're kind of seeking. Um, so they're purpose-driven, and they're really committed to whatever adventure that they're on, and they are committed to fulfilling their mission, whatever the mission is. It's important to know that the knights are followers. They're not leaders. So the queen or the king has given the knight some sort of purpose, and the knight is committed to that purpose. They're doing what they're told, they're do but they're doing it with a lot of energy and with dedication. And another thing about the knights is that they're idealistic, so they see their mission as um, pure and that they will complete the quest um, and that that is their purpose, is to really get the ball rolling, complete the quest, and it's a really idealistic representation of that purpose. So the queens hold this subtle power in influence. The focus of the queen, and there's a difference between the queen and the king, who are both leaders, but the queen influences by nurturing and uh, thinks about things on an emotional level, the emotional aspects. They're maintaining the progress of the night. So if we think about that transformation journey starting with the page, the queen will continue that progress that the knight has made and take it a little bit further. The queens are more receptive to what's going on around them. They can um, adjust and adapt to how things are changing, and they are um, running things behind the scenes. So they're not necessarily giving orders, which we'll see as the kings, as more of a king-type trait. They're more moving the pieces behind the curtain. And so they represent this idea of expansion and growing and moving into a place of potential, moving into the potential of whatever the knights have been uh, adventuring and questing towards. And then the kings are the most mature and serious of the court cards. So there's that progression from page to king. The kings are at the end of that transformation journey. And so they are strong and they're leaders and they're visible. So like I said, the queens are kind of behind the scenes. The kings are giving the orders and they're making decisions. They're the authorities and the leaders. And they can be selfless. That's part of ruling a kingdom. Sometimes they appear as ruthless, though, in... Um, when it comes to upholding that design that they have and the goal that it, they have created. 
So they're giving orders in a way that is like uh, very specific to the goal. So they're not as adaptable as like the queens are that will change and, uh, and um, adjust based on new information. The kings are really purpose driven. And once they have set that, once they have set something into motion, that's the direction that they're going to go into. All of the planning and everything like that, it's complete. And so the kings are kind of controlling and they're very decisive. They set the tone and they set the direction of those plans. So those are the four court cards that you will encounter. And we're going to talk about the suits next week. And so you can, like I said before, you can kind of cross multiply uh, and apply the domain of the suit over each of the court cards energy and you can see how it changes. Now how to interpret these when they come up in the tarot reading. Uh, there are some texts, a lot of the older texts about tarot will talk about the court cards as representing specific features of a person. So things like hair and eye color, age and gender. And I don't find this to be very accurate. In fact, I think it's really limiting, especially when you're using a really traditional deck like the Smith Rider Weight deck. It's not very diverse. <laughs> so there's not much variable between the ways that these different cards, characters look in each of the cards. So there's some other ways that I like to interpret the court cards, and these are more modern, modern ways to interpret them. I think the most common meaning for a court card is that it's some sort of representation of a specific person. So like I said, it's a character in the story. And if you're reading for yourself, it's usually you or someone that you know, so someone in relation to you. Or again, if you're reading for another person, it would represent them or someone that they know because the reading is about them. Um, I think this is why it's really helpful to know the personality of each of the cards to know how the character in this card would think and feel and behave in various situations, how they would react, things to like what motivates them to take action, what motivates them to not take action, how they respond to different stimuli, what stresses them out, what relaxes them. So knowing all of this about the characters in the card can really help you to figure out which person it's referring to. And some people also like to link the cards, the court cards, to the Myers-Briggs personality trait indicators. And it works out nicely because there are actually 16 um, MBTI, Myers-Briggs personality trait indicators. And there are 16 court cards. So there's no universal way to match these. It's, um, there are plenty of people who have made their own connections. There's blog posts and podcasts about this. I think it's really a fun exercise to do this for yourself, to sit down with each of the 16 court cards and maybe pull up one of the Myers-Briggs personality um, websites that lists all 16 personality types and match them for yourself. This really helps you to figure out what you see in the cards and what those personalities are really like. So I think that's a good exercise to really get to know the court cards. Another type of personality that you can match up with the court cards is the zodiac signs. Now there are only 12 zodiac signs and again 16 court cards. 
So when I did this, I actually left the pages out. And I set the queens as the cardinal signs of the zodiac, the kings as the fixed signs of the zodiac, and the knights as the mutable signs of the zodiac. And then each suit, as we'll see next week, aligns with a different element. So um, you'll see that fire signs go with the wands, the water signs go with the cups, the earth signs go with the pentacles and the air signs go with the swords and so if you match them up this way um, it makes a lot of sense to me but maybe you have a different way that fits for you so anyway that's kind of a fun way to look at the cards and get to know them now another way to interpret the cards as i mentioned before is as a facet of the personality uh, whether that's your personality or the personality of another person so Again, I think we have all of the 16 court cards within us and some of the traits associated with each court card may be more obvious. So if a card shows up and this is the way it's meant to be interpreted, it can be something that you might benefit from nurturing or developing in yourself or the person that you're reading for. Or it might be a part of yourself that you are expressing too heavily, something that is um, coming out too much and maybe causing obstacles or challenges to appear in your path. So that's another way to interpret the cards, the court cards. And as I said before, the court cards could also personify an event or object that might not normally have a personality. So again, this will all depend on the question that you asked and the position in a spread. But if you're asking about an outcome of going to an event and you get a court card, for example, the event would potentially personify those characteristics of that court card. And then finally, the court cards can represent the progression through the levels of maturity. So I kind of talked about that as we went through each of the, the page, the knight, the queen, and the king before. Now, this isn't always in relation to age, although it can be where a page would represent a young person uh, like a child, a knight might be a teenager, a young adult, a queen would be a middle-aged person, a middle-aged adult, and then a king would be an elderly adult. Usually it's more about the maturity of a person in the sense of their mindset or their emotional state. So uh, rather than it being about their actual age, how old they are, it could be that a page would be someone who is young at heart or naive or even someone who's unfamiliar with that situation. So um, someone who's new to, to town or someone who's new to a job. And rather than it being about someone's age, being really young. And again, in terms of maturity, this can also be seen as where a person is in a particular transformation. So, uh, so like I said before, the page would be someone who has just started this journey. And the king would be someone who's at the end of that transformation. And the knight and the queen would be sort of in the middle of learning those lessons. So with all of these different ways of interpreting the court cards, you might be wondering which one to choose or how to interpret the court card when it shows up. And that's why there is so much confusion about the court cards, because it's a little bit less straightforward than maybe the numbered cards or the major arcana cards. So here's what I do. 
Before I start a reading, I usually set an intention about how I want court cards to show up in the reading. If I want to interpret them as a specific person, an aspect of a personality, a situation or object, a level of maturity or a position on the transformation spectrum, I will set that as an intention before we start. And that just um, creates a lot more clarity about what they're going to represent for me. Now the next thing is that when they do show up in the reading, then you need to trust your intuition about what it's telling you. So sometimes it doesn't it doesn't feel right that it's it's showing up in the way that you set the intention for, or maybe you forgot to set your intention in the beginning. And so I think it's important that when you see the court card, to just listen to what's the first thing that comes to mind, because that's usually a really good indication of how the card should be interpreted. And then finally, if you're really stumped, I find it helpful to list all of the possible interpretations, the potential uh, interpretations of the court card based on maybe the keywords that you know about it, any notes that you've taken about it, or the um, intuitive nudges that are coming up, the personality traits associated with it, the people that you associate with it, whatever, uh, all, and all of these different things that we talked about, what are all of the different ways that it could be interpreted? And then whatever makes sense in the context of the reading, that is how you ought to interpret it. So um, it's okay to kind of say, well, this makes sense for this particular position and uh, interpretation for what I'm talking about. And uh, that can be the way that you interpret it. So that is all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate that you chose to spend your time learning about the tarot with me. So let's just recap what we talked about. We looked at the general structure of a tarot deck and where the court cards where the court cards fall into that structure. We also looked at each card um, on, an in, on an individual level, the pages, the knights, the queens, and the kings. And we looked at how to interpret court cards when they come up in a reading. And I really hope you enjoyed this lesson. You can find the show notes by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero two three. And that's where you can find that downloadable research resource I mentioned earlier. You can join me next Tuesday. We'll continue this series on the tarot, talking about the suits of the tarot and the elements they're associated with. So I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation, talking about elements and the suits. Now make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss that episode or any other episode I put out in the future. And I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me know I'm doing something right and that you're listening to me. Um, I love it if you write something as well, but you definitely can just click the five stars and be done with it. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mumbles and Things, and you can join us in the Mumbles and Things Facebook group, and you can chat with about this episode with other witchy folks. Just go to talkwitchcraft.com and it'll redirect you to the Facebook group or search Mumbles and Things on Facebook. Wait, don't go yet. Thanks for listening to Talk Witchcraft with me, Maggie. If you've enjoyed this episode, I invite you to check out mumblesacademy.com. 
Mumbles Academy is the place to be for intuitive souls at any stage of their witch path. Whether you are a wildling at the very beginning of your witchcraft journey and are looking for a safe learning environment, a creator who is committed to your practice and wants to develop your witchcraft skills even more, or a sage who is full of wisdom already and wants to share what you know with others, Mumbles Academy was designed for you. With monthly masterclasses and live Q&As, an extensive archive of courses and trainings, and a supportive community to help you along the way with encouragement and advice, Mumbles Academy is the perfect place for you to be as you continue on your witch path.